Welcome back to Coaching Kernan. This is episode 38, September 13th, 2022. I'm Dave D'Agostino, your, your co-host, joined by America's most beloved sports writer, Kevin Kernan. Also joined by Will George, high-ranking scout, 40-plus years in Major League Baseball with the Colorado Rockies now, and Sal Marinello, our resident performance expert. We are here with the panel resident experts today following a great interview with Lee Kuntz, former major league trainer with the Washington Nationals most recently with the Indians and the Royals. Um, came off great yesterday, showed that there's a there's got to be a healthy balance right now between knowing your craft and, and knowing your people. Um, guys, welcome back to the show. Hi, guys. Good to be here. Good morning. Yep. We got a ton of topics this week, but before we get started, I know Kevin coming off uh, three great articles. I mean, we, we talked about Roger, Roger Maris uh, last week. Uh, there was a great article on the disappearance of fungo hitting and then also just Route 66 just recently, all the grassroots baseball uh, that's going on there that's being missed by America, and, and we could get back to those times. That would be great. But before we get going and, and talk about those articles, I'd love to see what caught your eye this week. Yeah, well, obviously the rule changes. You know, the, the um, they're going to make everything worse. Um, you know, it's a, first of all, it's much like what's going on in the country. You know, you wake up this morning, 8.3 inflation rate, good times, good times. Um, you know, so uh, baseball thinks they've solved problems. They've just created more problems. They don't know what they're doing. The people in charge don't know what they're doing. Interesting that the four players on the committee said no to all the rule changes. Now, some of that may have been political because they don't have uh, uh, an even voice in the committee. But, you know, the bottom line is players don't want it they, and they talk about it. Now, the thing that cracks me the most, and I'll let the other guys talk because uh, I'm really a little uh, upset over all this, is that they talk about the pitch clock, right? Like, like oh, what a great thing. And it will help. It, there's no doubt it will help speed the game along. And, but, but the obvious thing is, well, why don't you just teach your pitchers to pitch quicker? You, you're in charge. You know, you don't need a pitch clock. You don't need everything legislated. That's what's going on. Everything has to be legislated. And it's going to be, we saw a little, and we'll touch on this later, but we saw a little bit yesterday of the Pandora's box when both um, Francona and Phil Nevin were thrown out in the same sequence by the home plate umpire in the game. In the game. And uh, you're going to see stuff. When, when when players, the clock changes and all of a sudden uh, they get a cold strike on them and they strike out, what do you think that's going to do? So so if the other point I want to make, and, and uh, you know, Will and Sal can weigh in, but the strikeouts are only going to go up. So that we're rewarding bad behavior. We're lowering the bar. Instead of forcing the hitters to be hitters, we're allowing them, okay, yeah, you're right. Here's your cupcake. Uh, it's been so hard for you because you've grounded out and the ball's into right field. Oh, you poor baby. So now we've rewarded bad behavior. Now there's going to be fly balls, trying for the fly balls. And what's going to happen as a result? More strikeouts. And my final point on all this, and I know I have a lot to say about it later on. I may write about it tomorrow. My final point is, all you got to do now, the, the nerds are just going to take the, the outfielder now and put him in short right field. You know, the, you're out. It's going to. They've, 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 congratulations, Brian Kenny. Congratulations, all you nerd guys that wanted stuff. And I know Kenny's against the banning of the shift, which I am too. So we're actually on the same page. But all the stuff you brought in, 
now you've completely made it soft pitch softball and, and uh, slow pitch softball. And, and we're also seeing it too. And this is just me. I'm seeing a lot of opposite field home runs lately. That tells me they got the juice ball back in play. So, so good luck with all this. I'm going to watch the NFL. <laughs> Will, go ahead. Uh, it's just a lot to unpack. You know, I've witnessed, and being a former pitcher who worked fast, taught guys to work fast, like Kevin said, let's not legislate, let's teach. Let's teach guys how to work quick and throw more strikes. Um, you know, the pitch clock, uh, we'll see how it works. You know, how about the the walk-up song clock? You know, how about having a clock on that? You know, guys used to just walk up and get their their ass in the box. Now it takes two minutes because you have to have two verses of whatever the walk-up song is. That would take Well, let me interrupt, too. I was just at, at the Cooperstown All-Star uh, Village, and all the 12-year-old guys had walk-up songs, too. Yeah. Oh, I know. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Just play baseball. Yeah. I mean, it's it. you know, that would cut time off. You know, I, I, I used to talk to, uh, and I still do, he, one of the umpire evaluators that, you know, they he, he would evaluate guys who need to get in the box quicker. And he would write it up, and they never did anything. There was never any repercussion to not getting in the box. Well, they don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, Will. It's, you know, you know work quicker. But, you know, uh, you know and, and, and I think Bert Blylevin said it on Facebook, you know, you know, instead of having three minutes of commercials between every half inning and every time there's a pitching change, why don't we cut it down to two and have a small box with ads or something? You know, do something to move the game along there. You know, you figure, you know, growing up, there was a minute and a half between innings. That was it of commercials. And then we had, the, we had the announcers shaving themselves in the booth, which was kind yeah, of funny. You know, you, you know. You know, the poor, poor announcers used to have to smoke lucky strikes in the in the booth or whatever. But you know, the I, I you know, the worst thing in the whole pitch clock thing is that they're limiting a pitcher's and catcher's ability to control the running game, trying to legislate stolen bases okay, instead of teaching guys to steal bases. Up. Yeah, tell, tell them what's going to happen there when you that's, throw that's over. That's absolutely ridiculous. You know, you. You know, the, the whole runners, you have to vary how you go to home plate. You have to have a slow move over. You can set a guy up, you know, by holding the ball where he'll get on his heels and you might be able to pick a guy off who's trying to steal a base. You can't make guys steal bases by saying, okay, you're only allowed to throw over twice or step off twice. I mean, that's ridiculous. I've watched it at the minor league level where, where, where they've instituted that and the number of stolen bases that they're going to, again, all they do is look at the number and go, oh, wow, look what it did. Didn't do anything. Those guys don't know how to steal bases. They do. It, it's ridiculous. I see kids getting picked off because now people are trying to have, have figured out how to stop the 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 insanity of, of, of what they're doing at it. So it's uh, – Again, a lot of misses there. You know. And the bases are bigger too, which is great. That's really Yeah, good. I mean, I still don't see, see any benefit there. I, You know, it, and, and then the shift thing, you know, again, you know what? If you, if you learn how to hit the ball the other way, you shut the shift down right away. 
Sounds like, I mean, like you guys mentioned it before, I think your phrase will, instead of legislate, teach. Yeah. And as you mentioned with the controlling of runners, the time clock, I, I'm not a fan of as a hitter. I see how it speeds up the game, but I, I like, you know, teach your guys to work quick. For me as a hitter, you know, I, you get a guy in the mound that can throw 97 miles an hour. I, I want him to take as much time as he wants to, to throw that baseball. Um, I'm not concerned about that as a hitter. The reduction of commercials, obviously we know what they won't do that, but if you cut commercials out, there's your 45 minutes right there. Uh, uh, and, and great point too, Dave, to counterpoint, me being a pitcher, I love the pitch clock because I always taught guys to work quick, put the hitter on his heels. But then a friend of mine who's been in the game a long time said, you know, these kids at the lower levels – they're, they're trying to process, trying to become professional hitters, and having a clock is not helping them at all. And, and, and I started to put my feet in somebody else's shoes. My gosh, if I'm going up and trying to go, okay, this guy's fastball slider, change up. Oh, shit, I got <laughs> to get in the box. The clock's on two. Hurry up, hurry up. Hurry up to hit. No, you know, nothing about hurry up to play baseball. You know, when we had Alan Yeager, we talked about taking deep breaths, relaxing. You got to play the game relaxed. That's it, Kevin. You brought up a point with the shift restriction. You you made a a, a Nostradamus like prediction in terms of how oh yeah these guys are going to beat the game. Share that a little bit with our our audience. Yeah, I said this months ago because I just thought about it. And and again, if I think about it for thirty seconds, I can outthink the nerds because they do the most obvious thing. Um, you're going to see guys in motion at some point. Uh, when they when they have the ability to move, uh, you know, basically got to start on either side of second base, uh, either side of the base, blah blah blah. You're going to see basically going to see infielders in motion like Canadian Football League, and they'll be trying to get to certain spots in the field while the ball is being delivered. And um, you know, it's just it's just again, it's just another. They un- they don't understand that everything that they do opens another Pandora's box. Just play the game, the basic rules of the game. You, you know, they shifted on Ted Williams way back when, and he had a bad World Series. You know, I'm a little surprised it didn't come into vote until later. But back then, this is the thing that everybody's missing. The hitters were hitters. They had back control. They played pepper. So they would be, as soon as that shift would happen, they would, uh, you know, they would start getting singles the other way. And back then... You would have guys who could get three singles in a row. Now, now the odds of getting three singles in a row because of the launch angle swings, they're, they're a lot lower. So, yeah, you're going to see guys in motion. You're going to see other things. And the other thing I thought of is with the outfielder, why wouldn't you take, if you've got a lefty hitter up who's, uh, you know, just trying to drive the ball the other way, why wouldn't you just space out your outfielders a little bit and then bring your right fielder into play the same role that the uh, the uh, – the third baseman who used to go to right field played. It's yeah. kind of the same thing. There's no rule, yeah, with the outfield shift. It's all infield. Well, yeah, the outfielders can go wherever they want. So, uh, you know, some some nerd getting paid a lot of money is gonna is already putting this into place. And, and the guys on MLB Network and MLB Radio who just, you know, to, who don't watch baseball, they just spout numbers. They'll go, oh, what a brilliant move by so-and-so. He should be – let's make him the new GM of the Tigers, you know. So uh, – Meanwhile, the Tigers will stink for the next 10 years, too. So, 
That's what I think about all of it. You know, Kevin, you brought, you know, the uh, Billy Ripken, and I think in 2018 did a really good piece on the shifts and how it was starting to limit infielders range because they yep. weren't setting up the way they did for years. And Dave, I, you know, I think you played infield, you know, you know, when your body's getting set and you're, you're on the balls of your feet, you react more. You, you become more instinctive. You learn to read a swing. You learn to read who your pitcher is. And night after night, I see balls get through shifts where guys don't have three feet of range in a shift. Well, I, I think that's a great, great point. Because, because they're sitting on their heels thinking the ball's going to be hit where I'm standing. Well, that's why we, uh, that's a perfect uh, intro to bring Sal into this conversation about uh, what does he see with fielders being uh, basically put in cement shoes in the infield now? Well, I think, you know, you can't, like, it goes back, it's beating a dead horse. It goes back to what Will said about uh, instead of teaching, they're legislating. And, you know, I don't always want to come back to football, but they make changes that I think improve the game. I don't, I, I'm not every rule change is great, but, you know, it's it's help. They try. Um, and I don't think any other sport, I don't know, you guys might know, that that's made such drastic changes to how the sport is played um, in response to ineptitude, not in response to dominance. Yep. You, know, you could say basketball took out the dunk because of Wilt Chamberlain and and um, and didn't want them to be so dominant. You know, the NFL has moved the, the extra point back, which has been great. Uh, they've changed things. But, like, baseball is doing these things because the players cannot do things that generations ago did. I just think it's a bad look. I yeah, love, yeah. And I love Kevin's idea about motion uh, as, the, as the pitch comes in as soon as they're able to move. That's a great that'll – that'll really be a Keystone Cop show. Yeah, and, 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 and as you're moving to run six feet to some other place, he hits it two feet from where you were just standing. You got no chance to catch a ball that should have been caught. You know, I mean, I, you, you know, and, and, and the shift stuff drives me nuts when I, I watch a left-hander hit a pop-up that lands in the third base's coaching box and nobody can catch it. Well, it's gotten so bad now, Will. I've noticed that um, um, – <laughs> These these pop ups are now landing in left field. They're landing, oh, yeah. oh, they're landing yeah. sometimes in right behind third base. Uh, it, the shift used to be, and I saw the numbers. Something like you know, tr it's tripled over the last few years. But now they're so far shifted that these pitchers make great pitches. Guy hits a weak pop up, and nobody's there to catch it. And and that's even when that happens, the the hitters are so stubborn. So uh, oriented towards stats. And another big problem is, and we didn't get into this, but this constant reading of exit velocity. Oh. Uh, well, the good hitter who hits the ball the other way doesn't hit it 114 miles per hour. Yeah. What if they look at the end of the year? They look at barrels and exit velocity. They don't look at average. So, again, what I see here is baseball <clears throat> continuing to march over the cliff. With all, you know, just going straight ahead over the cliff. And that's why uh, a couple of weeks ago, somebody pointed out that the team was 3 and 0 on balls hit under 70 miles per hour that week. 
game-winning hits came on balls that were hit under 70 mile an hour that were ground balls hit to where the second baseman should have been standing that drove in the winning run. What do you think Tony Gwynn's exit velocity was on average, you know? Who cares? Who cares? (laughs) time batting champ. He he wouldn't get a sniff today, you know? Oh, my God, Uh, you know, Tony, uh, you know, he just doesn't doesn't barrel it, doesn't – you know, he's actually no, he barreled it, but it doesn't have to be 115 miles per hour exactly. to make you good. Exactly. You know, he he oh, would hit the barrel with the ball and it would shoot out somewhere at, you know, 80, 90, whatever, you know. I you think know. that's now between handling the bat and swinging the bat. We've got tons yeah. of the whole league swings the bat, but and they're all chasing velocity. It doesn't matter if it's a pitcher or now infielders are chasing velocity with their throws instead of being accurate. And hitters obviously are doing the same thing. You know, Gwyn's Launch angle was probably negative as well. Him and a guy like Ichiro hitting ground balls and line drives. You know, everybody made a big stink about O'Neill Cruz, 107. He's still making an out, almost nine out of every 10 at bat. So, yeah, you know, what, what does it matter? 40% K rate. You know, if I'm the opponent, if I'm the opposing team, give me O'Neill Cruz up in a key part of the game. <laughs> I still, I'm still amazed by the shift. I, I just can't believe that the answer is not hit it to where they're not. The answer is don't make, don't allow them to move. I mean, you know, I understood at some point the NBA limited the zone defense because of the size of the players and the athleticism, and you could do things to totally clamp the game down. It would be boring, but they made changes so that it fit in the context of how that game is played. You know, I said to you guys. They're teaching in high school football, uh, quarterbacks, running backs, skill guys, count the, count the number of players in the box, and if it's five or fewer, you're running it. If it's more than five, you're throwing it. So these kids can understand that, and yet you, you're telling me these baseball players can't hit the ball the other way. It's, it's, it's about, I think it's embarrassing, just like so many of the other things. Just like well, also, the, uh, the, uh, they're, trying to, uh, they're trying to hit it over. The shift. So, like, like you said, instead of trying to hit to the empty spot, they're, they're saying that the argument with that is, oh, you can't do that. It's too hard. You know, it's 100 miles per hour. So, so their counter argument ha- carries no weight either because their point is we're hitting it over the shift. Yeah. So they're still trying to direct the baseball and making it much harder for themselves. And guys like Aaron Judge come along who are just freaks and they think everybody can be an Aaron Judge. You know, and, uh, one of my teams, Toronto, goes to a four-man outfield all the time now. Yeah, yeah. Toronto now, is – and, and you know, when I saw them recently, uh, they didn't get burned once. I, I was going to say, well, that's a good – actually, I don't have any problem with a four-man outfield. Yeah. But these folks are going to try to hit fly balls, put yeah. another on the outfield. Yeah, no, it, 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 it worked fine. Now you can't do that. Right. But there was a but there was a whole side of the infield that was wide open that they hit pop ups into into the you know it, 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 again you just shake your head and go you can't hit a ground ball there's like three guys on the right side of the thing there's three outfielders to the right of the center fielder isn't that isn't that batting practice one on one you have two bunts yeah. Uh, yeah. Hit and run, move the guy over with something. Yeah, two bunts and run, and actually hold them accountable to do that every day. Not well, you, just, not you, just move yeah. on and 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 say, okay, hit away. No, you didn't get the bunt down. You didn't hit and run. You didn't move them over. You didn't do anything. You don't get your swings. How about that. 
An interesting I, I thing is that, real quick, but I, I thought of this right now and I want to ask Will this. Uh, there was a player, I think, I, I'm not sure, I think it was a Pirates draft that him. Second baseman's got a great great swing. But he, he's, he's he, or it might be a shortstop and they're going to move him to second. But he's, he, they say he, he's, uh, you know, his, his, his uh, range might not be that great. Will this hurt a development of that kind of player? Because, he, he, you know. No, you know, you can teach guys to improve their range. You know, uh, I, you know, I remember when I first got into the management side of baseball and, you know, people would go, oh, oh you know, you're, you know, oh, yeah, you, you played and roomed with Cal. You know, he needs to move to third base. I go, why? Well, he's he's too big. You know, he doesn't he, he he doesn't run well. You know, he doesn't profile. But Cal used to get to more balls than than Ozzie Smith did for a few years in the big leagues because instinctively, and it didn't make him, you know, you know, Ozzie Smith was one of the greatest defenders ever. But Cal instinctively improved his range. He improved his instincts to read the ball off the bat. You know, he was always – he knew his pitchers, who was going to command a pitch, and the, had a feel where the ball was going to go as he read the swing through the zone. Those are all learned things, not legislated. Those are all learned things. <clears throat> and, and, you know, that's why Billy did that whole thing is, you know, because he grew up learning those things. And Billy was a hell of a defensive second baseman. I mean, very, very good defensive second baseman that covered a lot of ground. And, you know, ask Jeff Fry. He played with Billy as well. Yeah. Sal, I want to flip it back to you. You, you were going to say something we, we kind of – Well, I just up. think that the uh, pitch clock, or I'll call it the shot clock, because inevitably I'll make a mistake. But it'll be interesting to see, because I just informally was timing the other night. No one was near what, what it was going to be. The conditioning element is going to come into play here because the pitchers are obviously not going to be able to take as much time, nor are the batters. And with all the fat players and poorly uh, conditioned guys, it's maybe we'll have at least one good uh, outcome will be they'll have to get in better shape. Good point, Sal. Yeah. And then, Will, you as a pitcher now, as a hitter, as a, when I was hitting or now that I'm coaching – I would always tell my my hitters, don't let that guy get into a rhythm on the mound. That, that guy right back up there on the mound, I couldn't stand. I did not like that. And if they got into a rhythm, my message to my players now is break that rhythm, call a timeout. But is it part of the legislation now where they only have a limited number of timeouts, right, the batters? Yeah, yeah. I think they're allowed uh, a timeout if a bug gets in their eye or there's something like that. But they're not allowed to slow it down. The pitcher's not – you know, you know, if a pitcher steps off and disengages because, you know, they can't agree on a sign and there's somebody on base, that that's a step off now. I mean, there's so many little things. And like you said, Dave, like I always talk about my personal experience and things that I see guys who work quick, you know, hitters would get in the box against me and guys that I coached. And I, even now when I see when guys work quick. First thing they do is they put their hand up to the umpire. Yeah. And they start digging in and they have one foot out of the box to slow me down or slow Max Scherzer down, whoever it is that's attacking. You know, and Sal, Sal the, uh, I think what you're saying is we're going to see more, you know, maybe more uh, 
athletes on the mound like Jacob DeGrom and, and, and less slow plotters like Frankie Montas. Yeah, I, I think on both sides. I think, you 30 know, seconds for him to throw a pitch. Yeah, I think on both sides. I mean, you see how these some of these guys get winded. Now, I know the home run derby, they're swinging much faster and much harder and uh, with less time. But, you know, that the entire pace of play is going to change how these guys have to be conditioned. And maybe it'll, it'll force some uh, forward thinkers to change. And how about actually you try to still go faster? Instead of fighting it, how about do things to really, if you know what you're doing, the speed element should help you. That's how I look at it. Why, does, why do football teams rush to the – why do they have to try to slow the offense down? Because the offense knows what they want to do. So the same thing here. Why try to make it slower? So like the no-huddle offense version in baseball. What were you, Now, Sal, when you were timing, what kind of t- – how close were the 15 to 20-second times? Was, that I, that I saw – it was – I did like – informally, I'm not a total meathead, but for like two – total. Uh, for two innings, I, I think I had I, – what is it, 15 seconds with nobody on base? I think there were one or two pitches in two innings where it was at the – where it was would have been on time. Most were – most were 20, and then what's interesting is once the you know there's the foul ball, there's replacing the baseball. When do they start the clock? Those were like 30 seconds, you know, 25, 30 seconds. Yeah. Well, psychologically, how's a pitcher going to react when he's pretty much he's in a little bit of a groove, but then uh, something happens, he takes too long. All of a sudden, the ball is called on him. Are they going to lose their composure? We had an issue with this last night. I know you touched on it a little bit in the opening, Kevin. Uh, Phil Nevin and, and Tito Francona, double double bounce. They both got thrown out. Um, what, what was the background of that? That had that something to do with these the pitch clock and the warm-ups? Well, Nevin was because they didn't, Tito was in a big argument because they, they said their hitter, Jimenez, got hit by the pitch. It was one of those things where you couldn't even tell if the ball hit him, and there's no shoe polish nowadays, and it, it might have ticked his little his little shoelace. And so that became a discussion, and they wanted to ask for help and and maybe review, and they didn't. They The umpires got together and said, no, uh, you know, it didn't hit him. But anyway, that went on forever, and then Tito lost his composure, got in a big argument, uh, got thrown out, and then with Ron Culpa, and then then – Phil Nevin, his pitcher wanted to have a couple warm-ups because the argument lasted five minutes. And they said, no, you can't. So um, that became an argument with Nevin. So they essentially got thrown out on the same play. To me, it was a little umpire overreach. And uh, But again, if baseball wants to make baseball fun or interesting or help, again, they, the obvious things they don't think of. Just Mike, Mike the umpire. Mike the managers. If that's going on live and there, now you got to do the uh, maybe you got to do a delay and show it later and do the uh, the beep 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 beep, but that makes it in. Why are they what are they arguing? And of course, the announcers are doing the same thing I was doing, guessing what really happened. And then they finally put some pieces together. But baseball could make itself more interesting if they had a little transparency. But again, that doesn't come into the thinking because why? And this is the essential point here why does this all happen? Because the guys in charge of baseball don't know baseball. It's really that simple. You don't have to worry about the cursing, Kevin. Watch television now. Yeah, that's a good point. And, and, and anything goes. So, you know, you know, why can't you know why can't, why can't we hear people on a baseball field curse? Because I watch it on TV shows every day. Yeah, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. They're selectively moralistic. 
sometimes yeah. baseball with that. Um, you know, with with and all this stuff's going on with the rule changes, and it's uh, Kevin, you look into our society right now, all these misdirects and whatnot. And quietly, we're missing one of the great players of all time, Mike Trout, Albert Pujols, Aaron Judge, all on these these historic, you know, potential record-breaking rises right now. Trout hit his seventh home seventh game in a row yesterday with a home run, has a shot to to break the record with eight today. Um, I miss that because of all the rule changes stuff. Um, what do you guys think of Trout? Well, Trout, uh, you know, Mattingly, um, Ken Griffey Jr. and Dale Long, which is a surprising one, they all have eight, I think. That's, that's okay, so he's tied. He would tie them if he hits, hits one today. And that happened in 1956, 87, and 93. Um, it, it's, yeah, it's, it's, you know, he's really locked in, obviously. And and the lack of command again. I get back to the lack of command. I I, I fully expect them to break the record simply because they'll be shooting for home runs. The Angels will probably be losing five nothing, you know. So the pitcher's throwing the ball over the plate, and um, you know why wouldn't he do this? It, it, it is a, you know, it's it's what what Trout does when he his swing is tight and short, and uh, you know he's a he's a he's a throwback. So is Judge in many ways. He's a throwback, and as Kevin Maris told me. One of the big uh, shames of the season is the fact that Judge is not going for the all-time record because of the steroid. And Judge is actually, his father kind of got cheated with all the talk of the Astros. And here we are now, many, many years later, 1961 to now, and and Judge in some ways is getting cheated uh, for the record, uh, the excitement around the record because of uh, what uh, Sosa, Bonds, and McGuire uh, did with PEDs. So, it's um, seems like what goes around comes around sometimes, uh, unfortunately for these players. And but one thing I do know is that Judge, yeah, I'm sure Judge wants the record, but Judge is more interested in winning, just like Roger Maris was interested in winning. Oh, without question. And it's uh, I think it should be getting more fanfare right now, and it certainly is you know being pushed to the side. What what about um, you know Judge leading off right now? Cashman, uh, obviously, we talked about the trade with Montgomery. That's uh, looks like it could bite the, the Yankees in the, in the backside here. But what about Boone's decision to lead him off uh, right now? I'll leave that to Will. Uh, I, you know, probably not for me, but uh, he always does have good at bats and he'll take a walk and he's a still a good base runner. So I'm not going to uh, fight and argue on that one. Uh, Bader, I think, starts a rehab assignment tonight in Somerset. So hopefully – for the Yankees, they can get them on the field, and maybe the trade won't look as bad as it does right now. So, yeah. so when you get Bader back, the key for Judge batting first, of course, is the ninth hitter has to be good, uh, you know, decent. Uh, and uh, you see the ro- rotating that to if you've watched carefully, if you watched the guy who's hitting ninth before Judge is the guy who has pretty good numbers against who's ever on the mound that night. So, again, it's all nerds. It's got nothing to do with Aaron Boone. Um, the nerds have come up with this. I think it looks okay now. It got them out of the slump that they were in. But if it's me in the postseason, I'm loving this. Because then, you know, you, you, you get that first at-bat. You win that first at-bat of the game. What a psychological advantage that is for you in a, uh, you know, in a, in a game where everything's on the line. Yeah. Mark DeRosa made a point. Uh, they asked him about, you know, pitching around Judge um, in that spot because of a, a poor guy hitting in the ninth spot. But he said, at least you don't have to pitch around him in the first at-bat. And DeRosa said, I'd still pitch around him. Oh, I would too. I'd make him hit my pitch. 
and uh, and um, and he is focused. Uh, you know, he's hitting some. You know, he's he even his singles are hard. You know, so so it, it, the weakness of the Yankees lineup will show itself again. I just don't understand how pitchers leave balls out over the plate to Giancarlo Stanton, and that's a a, a question better for uh, for Will. I mean, what 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 the hell are they doing with Stanton? Well, I don't know. I just think it's uh, when you're trying to throw hard and not pitch, you're going to make mistakes. Yeah. I think that's about as simple as it comes. Yeah, that's a good point. With with launch angle and exit velocity being emphasized, I was surprised to see that you know the home run should be up. Mike Trout only playing a little over 100 games has, is number two in the American League with 35 homers right now. Um, I kind of question this whole philosophy. And then you see the guys that are at the, the guys that are the good hitters, the Goldschmidt's, the judge Goldschmidt and judge have a shot at the triple crown this year. Nobody's talking. About it. Um, but uh, Sal, go ahead. I jumped in on you. No, that's okay. I, I think what you're a couple of things, what you're seeing with the judge chase is that everybody now has to be put under the cloud of suspicion because of the way baseball handled it and continues to handle the steroid issue. I think uh, it's not steroids now it's whatever else they're using. So, Fairly or unfairly to the player, anybody that now approaches this record is going to be viewed skeptically. And that's just part of the problem of what they went through. But I think it's made worse by how they handled it. Um, and uh, so, yeah, that, that's just what I wanted to jump in on on, on that point. Good. Well, yeah, I uh, we also talked about pull hosts and I just wanted to share a quick Quick personal story. Um, I was covering spring training in Jupiter in uh, St. Lucie area in 2001. Pool House, House came out of nowhere and made their big league club. And I probably saw them play about eight or nine games that spring. And our advanced scout came in. We were opening up against the Cardinals. And I'm sitting with him uh, my last day there watching the Cardinals. And he said, you know, we're going through all the hitters. And he goes, it looks like this kid's going to make the team. He said, you know, what's his weaknesses? And our advanced guy, Mike Pazic, is a great guy, great baseball guy, former major league pitching coach. I said, uh, he doesn't have any. <laughs> and he goes, What? He goes, everybody's got to I, – I go, look, I've seen him play 10 games. He hits everything. He goes, come on, Will. Everybody's got a weakness. I go, well, good luck finding one. So uh, we opened up with the Cardinals, a three-game series. I think Pujols hit about 900. He went on to win the rookie of the year, and now we're 21 years later, and he's going to be in – he's in rarefied air, and what a great player. I, I think Paul Holtz and Judge, Pujols and Judge are, are, are credits to the yeah. uh, game, really, yeah. the way they play the game. You know, you know, we've been going negative, and I just wanted to, you know, and, and we always give Aaron Judge his due and Pujols, though. I want to give him his due. He's a great guy, does so much in the community. And, you know, on, on, on uh, Sunday Night Baseball two weeks ago, he gave – a message to a bunch of young pitchers. He said, watch Adam Wainwright. You don't have to throw hard to win in the big leagues. You have to pitch. Is, you know, we talk about we talk about the rule changes and the need for players to make adjustments or our desire for them to do that rather than legislate. Pujols right. is 
prime example of that. He, he yeah. was struggling early in the year against righties. He was a lefty only guy at the all-star break. He made an adjustment with his approach and he's now playing against both. But yeah. if he continues to stay healthy and he's a universal DH in, in a three-year time, could he play three more years and could he break that record? He might be able to. I mean, he's, you know, he's always been an adjustment guy who's adjusted in the county. He's been a great hitter who hit for power and, you know, he's cut his swing down. He's probably gone back to things he did as a kid. Um, and he's a big enough, strong enough guy. He looks like he's still taking good care of himself. God bless him. Well, and also the DH has helped him, and that was a rule change that, yeah. you know, this is what they wanted. That's why they had that rule. Yeah. Even though if you look at average, I think it's still down. So you would think it with less pitchers hitting it would be up, but uh, again, uh, not 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 with the approach that everybody else takes. Yeah, but the exit velocity's up, Kevin. Yeah, that's all that matters. Yeah, yeah, but 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 don't count the strikeouts in the exit velocities. They would all be down in the low teens if we. Well, count. also a very important exit velocity stat I want to point out here is the exit velocity of fans is up as well because yeah. not as many, you know, fans are leaving the game. I, I hear anecdotally, and I also. You watch some of these crowds. I know the numbers are all fudged. The numbers are fudged because they count, now they count, you know, seats. I sold. see a lot of people dressed as blue and green seats now. You know what? The, the pennant races are back, too, because they added uh, more teams. So yeah. even though there are no races, the pennant races are back. The bad teams are worse. The guys are striking out more. And again, I, I, it's a simple point, but I watched the NFL this weekend. You know, exciting games, left and right. Now, they have their mistakes. You know, Hackett uh, yesterday going for a 64-yard field goal, not putting it in the hands of uh, Wilson with a, um, uh, a, a, a fourth and five. I mean, come on. Yeah. Kevin, how about the exit velocity on foul balls now on the broadcast? <laughs> That's another thing that drives me crazy. And now if it's a long drive down the left or right field line, okay, maybe maybe I'll care about it if it went foul and what the exit velocity was. But I'm watching a game yesterday, and and, um, and um, there's a foul ball over the dugout, and they're giving us the exit velocity. That tells me, that tells me, announcer, you just told everybody you don't know anything about the game. And second of all, you're trying to impress your numbers, people, instead of working for the fans watching the game. Right. And meanwhile, your team stinks. I don't want to mention your team. I'm not going to put the point the guy out. But uh, your team no, stinks. They might hire him as an analyst. <laughs> Certainly won't get a guest spot on Real Voices of the Game. Probably not. <laughs> With um, Now, on the other side of the stick, uh, the kid Valdez for Houston, 24 quality starts, right? 24 consecutive quality starts right now. In a day where there's that load management on pitchers, here we got a guy that's stepping to the, to the bump every day. Uh, getting him to at least a, a deeper part of the game. Uh, what, what's your thoughts on him, Will? If you can comment on on Valdez as a pitcher, oh, he, you know he's uh, he he just keeps getting better every year. He's got a manager who's managed him well, and um, you know he stayed healthy. I mean, all, all those are keys to to you know developing a guy to be a horse. You know. If you stay healthy, you have a manager who knows how to manage you, you, you keep a good delivery, um, it's, it, it can be done. You know, I don't, you know, I don't know why we're lowering the bar and not trying to do it with more of our guys, but this kid has a good delivery. 
He's got really good stuff. Um, Dusty has managed him well, and he's just taking off. He's a, you know, we, we I know we've had to face him in interleague play, and they have not been pretty games for us. Um, when I've seen him, and I've seen him in spring training, uh, when I've been down in uh, Florida, and you know, he just keeps getting better every year. And I know we're not supposed to look at ERA, but 2.5 ERA, 15 wins, 169 strikeouts. Um, and he's he's 5'11". His body type, you know, almost 240 pounds. Um, Sal, do you see anything in the body type or, I mean, any, anything that you're, you would look at as a performance coach that would concern you to keep up this pace? No, because I think, you know, history shows you that, you know, small guys, big guys have all been successful. I think it's a matter of, what you can't see also, no one knows what's uh, how the sausage is made in a lot of these cases and what their off-field stuff is. But, you know, in this day and age, I think you've got these out of shape, guys who are out of shape, they don't move as well as they could. And and that's just ultimately the bottom line. I, I, I And past injury is the best predictor of future injury. You know, it, it sounds, it's overly simple, but it is simple. I mean. Uh, no, that's so true, Sal. You know, he, you know, for a guy his size, uh, it's an athletic flowing delivery. You watch it and you go, wow, he repeats it. He's on time. He throws downhill. He does all the things you're looking for. His head still, when he releases the ball, he commands it. He goes in and out. He can really spin a breaking ball and you go, uh, you know, you know, as long as that's not affecting him, you know, you know, that he's a you know, a few pounds overweight, but he's solid. He's not fat. You know, he's he's a solid kid. Well, and you know, Fernando Valenzuela, you know, but, Fernando Valenzuela, you know. Yeah, but like him. I remembered when uh, uh, Kevin and I sat down with uh, uh, Rick Peterson, and he, you know, went into the whole idea of, you know, the the release point can change as long as the other aspects of the delivery are the same. The problem is. You have the release point constantly moving because the body below it is not in the same position. And that's where you get into trouble, both with accuracy and with um, the stress on the body. I mean, that's in anything. You know, if you have a kid who's super fast, but he has terrible running form, that's ultimately a sign that there's going to be a problem. Like I said to you earlier, Will, watch a kid run from uh, home to first home to second and turn and run in the outfield and move laterally. And that's going to tell you a lot about what their injury prospects are, especially how their foot hits the ground and what their feet are doing when it hits the ground. So, you know, there's a lot of simple things you could look at, but, you know, body size alone isn't a problem because, you know, if if big guys were always going to get hurt, there would be no one playing football. You know, obviously the collision aspect adds a dimension there, but, you know, it's it's your technique and how consistent you are with it is the main thing in any in any activity. You know, Sal, you brought that up. I just saw a player last week who, um, beauty, I mean, tremendous body, but um, he's had a lot of injury issues. And I think the way I describe him is he's really wound extremely tight. You know, um, which worries me for baseball movement when a player is overly wound tight. That I and, and I think that's where injuries must occur. I agree. There was uh, um, one year at one of the conferences I went to, they had the head trainer of the Houston Rockets, and he had a great line. He said, you know, the, the job at that level 
is to manage um, these guys who are all tightly wound because of the what's necessary to play that sport. But how do you manage that and how can you still and that's that's where, you know, movement and mobility is different than certain types of classically defined flexibility. So if you have a dynamic uh, movement analysis system, you could tease out the difference between a guy who's tightly wound but still moves well versus the guy who's tightly wound and is a ticking time bomb. Yeah. And and, and I think Lee might have talked a little bit about that yesterday you know, getting them in the weight room, but keeping the flexibility, keeping the baseball movements on the field, more of that than more of the tent, the what keep winding the clock, the tension, you know, in the weight room where you're doing that. So. No, he did. He spoke very, uh, very much about mobility and same thing that Sal talks about. We all do where, how do you get stronger as a baseball player? You play baseball. And as Lee said yesterday, you, you, baseball is meant to be played every day. And, uh, you know, I'm happy with Valdez is doing. I, I, I like him. He throws early strikes. I think he's aggressive. And Willie goes back to the stuff that you talk about, about, you know, being balanced, getting into your legs, direction and finish. That's your adage. It's simplicity. Yeah. He's good at it. Well, well guys, we're, we're getting close to finish time here and another great show. I want to give a shout-out to one of our, our, uh, our frequent listeners, uh, Kelly Franco Throop. If, if anybody follows her on Twitter, she's a guest lecturer at the Baseball Hall of Fame. People were asking her about her favorite podcasts yesterday um, because she's an avid podcast listener, big baseball uh, advocate. She listed three in no particular order. She listed David Cohn's podcast. She listed Buster Only. And her third podcast she listed, again, in no particular order, was Coach and Kernan. So that's a tribute to you guys and, and the work we're doing here. We're getting out there. And thanks to Kelly for giving us a shout-out on, on Twitter yesterday. Um, very nice. Very nice. Thank you, Kelly. Yep, we'll, we'll make sure we give her a shout-out on our podcast this year. But, uh, guys, great show again, Episode 38, uh, Panel of Resident Experts. Uh, we have our uh, show tomorrow with She Gone with, with Jeff Fry, and we have a, a uh, we have Mark uh, and Will's podcast going to record tomorrow, air on Thursday. Uh, and then we have Joe Frazero, who had a great first week with his podcast as well, Man on Second. And then, Sal, I want to introduce yours. You, uh, we're going to have a pop-up podcast with Sal uh promoting some performance uh, aspect that he saw during the week or that he wants to get out there to audience a short pop-up one, 10 to 15 minutes. We're going to do it once a week and we're going to record first day on Friday. So um, we keep getting more and more requests for our people to get out there and give information. So we're excited to continue to grow here on the network. Um, well, guys, have a great week this week. And it's Coach and Kern in episode 38, panel of resident experts signing off.